you need to collaborate. You need to build bridges. You need to work with other people very, very closely. And it is through connections, through collaboration, through communication that we are the most successful. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome back to another episode of Oil & Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, sponsored by AWS Energy. Before I introduce this week's guest, I want to ask, as I always do at the beginning of every show, please leave me a review, support me, let me know how I'm doing. It's the only way I know how to give back. But we do have a five-star review from Miss Cruz22. Love the energy transition conversation. Paige, I'm a big fan of your show. Thank you even though I work in the renewable side of the business. Your recent episode with Catherine Boyd was incredible. Really great episode. I agree. Finally, there are people and organizations talking about the reality of energy regardless of the source and that hydrocarbons will be a part of that mix. So refreshing and much needed. Super kudos to both AWS and WISPA for leading that charge. Thank you so much. All right. So I'm sitting here this afternoon with my guest, Ricardo Carcino, President and Chief Executive Officer of Stratum Reservoir. How are you this afternoon? Very well, Paige. Thank you very much for having me. Happy to be in your podcast. So how are you doing? <laughs> I'm not too bad. I'm ready for fall for sure. This heat's killing me. Yeah, that, that cold wave didn't quite make it, did it? No, it, it kind of stalled out in mid-Texas. Uh-huh. So, But how's your company been holding up since the whole COVID thing? Look quite well. I'm talking to you from the office and we've started returning to the office gradually, you know, in shifts or, you know, some people are here, some other are not alternatively. So quite well. We had very, very few cases and certainly no no outbreak and the operations have not been impacted. So, Oh, that's excellent. Quite fortunate. Great. Well, let's talk about how you got started in the oil and gas industry. All right. So it was completely by chance. You know, I knew nothing about the oil industry other than the big names. You know, I knew what Shell was. I filled up my, my tank with their product, etc. But beyond that, I knew very, very little, right? So I grew up in, in Buenos Aires, in Argentina, uh-huh. very, very far from, from any oil field. And my first recollection of any name outside the ones that everybody knows related to the oil and gas industry was Schlumberger. And at the time, that name you know, made me laugh. It was a very strange name to me. Did you say Schlumberger like everybody else? Yeah, yeah, Schlumpeter. I don't know why we decided to call it Schlumpeter, you know, maybe because we speak Spanish and it's funnier that way. And it was a father of a friend of mine that was going to university with me that was an employee of Schlumberger at the time in the southern provinces of Argentina. So then I, that was my interaction with, with that name. And then I forgot about it. I finished my mechanical engineering degree. I then applied to a master's degree in, in, in UC Berkeley, where, where I went. Mm-hmm. And in between these two, I did an internship in Darmstadt in Germany. And bear with me, you know, it's a bit of a complicated story, but we'll get there. And in Germany, I met a lady that would then become my wife. And she went on to do her PhD in Sweden. And I went back to Berkeley, finished my degree and went back to Buenos Aires and started thinking about ways to get an international assignment so that I could get close to this lady that I had met in in Germany. And after a few months working for Toyota and realizing that that was not exactly my cup of tea, I saw this ad on the paper. The ad came from this weird named company, Schlumberger. 
And oddly enough, I applied and a few interviews later, they hired me. And they promised, you know, great pay and, and most importantly, an international life. And that's really why I joined. I joined it as a way to get close to my wife. That's so romantic. Future wife. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely true. And I was very lucky because I went to the school that Schlumberger puts out there for their field engineering prospects. And right after that school, nine week long school here in Houston, I ended up in Aberdeen working offshore. And my wife was really across the pond because it was on the other side of the North Sea in Sweden where she was studying. So it was very convenient. And I said, look, I'm going to join for one year and then, you know, make the money I can make and find a way to stay in Europe. And that one year turned out to be 23 years and long <laughs> and very fruitful career. No? I lived in nine different countries. I lived in three continents met great people and increased my level of responsibility in my in my profession at a very steady pace. So it was very, very attractive to me. And that's why I remained. And I'm, I'm still here. Yeah. So what are some of the challenges you had to go through? I mean, obviously, you got as close to your wife as you could. Yeah. But what are some of the, you know, maybe the transitioning of roles or? Yeah. So it's pretty related to the first question in, in a certain way, right? Because now I have my wife with me. I start building a family. And it's difficult for a family to move every two years, change everything, right? Uproot the family every two years to a different culture, a different country. And for the person that's doing the work, you know, the oil field is very, very demanding from a time perspective, et cetera. So I think that the biggest challenge throughout my career was to find the right balance between work and family. And how did you find that? I found it because of my partner, really. Very supportive, very understanding. And I always try to do the best I can in everything I do. And doing that with your family is extremely important, right? That's what you keep with you forever. So I focused a lot on ensuring that my family was comfortable, well taken care of and happy, and that I performed the best I could in my job so that I could continue progressing and having more opportunity. That's awesome. So let's talk about what your company does. Yeah, so Stratum is a rock and fluid analysis lab. So what we do is we take pieces of rock that come from the wellbore and analyze the properties of this rock. And we do the same with the fluid. And we do the analysis of the interaction between rocks and fluids. And with that, you can determine you know, what's down there, how much of it. Yeah, isn't that called coring? That is coring, yes. So we take the product of the coring process. Okay, interesting, interesting. So how did you become CEO and president? So in 2018, yeah, I think it was 2018, Weatherford decided to offload some of their product lines. And one product line that they chose to divest was the laboratory business. A very good business from a technical perspective, very well recognized worldwide as a leading supplier of rock and fluid analysis. And a couple of private equity firms, CSL and the Carlyle Group, saw the advantages of, of buying such a company and did so. And then because of connections between CSL and my prior employer, I was invited to participate in the process of selection. And fortunately, you know, after quite an extensive number of interviews, I was offered the job. And since the first day that Stratum Reservoir started existing as Stratum Reservoir, which was the 1st of May, 2019, I am the CEO of the company. I'm very That's happy awesome. to be so. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And I've heard of the Carlisle Group. Is that what you said? That is it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of them. Yeah. yeah, CSL is a little bit smaller, but it's a well-renowned private equity firm that is based on, that, that is focused, sorry, on oil field services. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So if you had a piece of advice to give our audience, what would that be? 
You know, it might be a bit basic, but I think it's extremely important. And it is that we should do what we enjoy doing, right? When we, you decide what you're going to do from a work perspective, from a job perspective, I think that it's essential that you make sure that you choose something that you are happy doing, that you have a good time doing. You know, you, you will spend so much time at your, at your work that you might as well do something that you enjoy. And if you're doing something that you enjoy, then you're much more likely to be successful in it. Right, right. So do you mean like as a hobby or as a career? No, as a career, certainly as a career, right? You need to have a career that you enjoy throughout the years that you will be doing that, right? And if you enjoy your career, then whenever challenges come across, you will only see opportunity, you know, and keep a positive frame of mind. So I think it's very important to do what you, what you enjoy doing. Very good. What book influenced you the most and why? That's a very tough one for me. So there's a lot of books. I normally keep two or three on the go at any time, right? So I think I'll go through through time, right? As a teenager, I wanted to be, believe it or not, an animal psychologist. And there is a science called ethology that does that. And this guy, Vitus Drosher, wrote a fantastic book about it. And to this day, I use some of the, of the lessons I learned from this book because the way human beings act has a lot to do with the way that animals act as well. So when I enter a meeting room, you know, I, I look at who's sitting where, what the nonverbal language is saying, etc. So I, I learned quite a lot about about all of that from that book. Then the other one is Alive. I don't know if you've seen the movie as well. It's it's about a plane crash involving a, a rugby team from from Uruguay in the middle of the Andes, and they had to survive until they were rescued. And that taught me a lot about teamwork and and leadership and adaptability and resilience. And if I have to talk about management books, I would pick The Essential Drucker. And then Jack Welch's book, Straight from the Gut, I think it was called, right? Very interesting books. And today I'm reading Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. And I highly, highly recommend that book. Excellent. Excellent. What do you like about that book so far? That book provides great insight into how we think, right? The human mind works in many cases on its own, and we don't even realize what our brain is doing. And this book explains why this is, how this works and how there are a couple of systems in your brain, one that thinks fast and then the other one that takes its time and ponders things and comes for the best solution, but it's a bit lazy, right? It doesn't want to enter into action all the time. So the fast one takes over many, many times without us even noticing. Interesting, interesting. It's really cool. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. I like that kind of stuff, for sure. What would you say is your most used business tool? Most used business tool, I guess you always, get the answer of the iPhone or the laptop or all of that, right? That's Those are the, yeah, the stars of difficult. the show, I guess. But I'm going to shine some light on a little piece of kit that I'm using all the time now, and that is the Jabra. I don't know if you've heard about it, but that little speaker, you know, little round speaker. Uh-huh. That's where all the voices that I interact with come through these days in the COVID days when you cannot be face-to-face many times. Yeah, yeah, that's very helpful. Yeah, I was going to actually ask if it's the earpiece kind because I know they make that too. Yeah. No, this one is better because the earpiece you cannot have meetings with, right? So this one also allows you to have multiple people join, etc. So Oh, interesting. I'll, I'll take the Jabra. Uh, all right. Who would you say is your most respected competitor? Most respected competitor. Look, we are in, in a market space that it's really not very highly populated. If you think about rock and fluid analysis laboratories like ours, like Stratum Reservoir, with a global footprint that is capable of doing and providing almost the whole menu of services that a rock and, and fluids lab can provide, there's only two, right? It's Core Lab and it's Stratum Reservoir. And then there's quite a lot of others that either are not 
pure play like we are, right. such as Schlumberger. Schlumberger has that kind of business, but it, it's not pure play. It's a big machine. And then there's other ones that are either geographically constrained or technically constrained. So they, they work in one country or they work into a specific area of the services that we provide. So it's, it's very difficult to answer that one when it's such a sparsely populated space. What I would say is that I'd rather focus on people, right? And I'll go into my competitor a little bit because one, one person I think has done admirable work in this market space is David Demscher. Right, the retired CEO and, and chairman of CoreLab. What he did with that company has been fantastic from the management buyout to the IPO to you know being 25 years as the head of a very successful company. So I, I would say that's a person I do admire. Awesome. That's great. What would you say is your most important lesson learned? Building bridges. Building bridges. As you grow in your career, you're young, you have a lot of energy. And if you have a good degree and you join one of the top dogs in the industry or in, in what you do, sometimes you tend to start feeling invincible. You tend to think that you can do everything and face everything without much help, right? And mm -hmm. there comes a time, and it, it, it happened to me as well, that you realize that's not the case and you need to collaborate. You need to build bridges. You need to work with other people very, very closely. And it is through connections, through collaboration, through communication that we are the most successful. So building bridges is the lesson learned, the most important lesson learned, I think. Good deal. So why do you think your role as CEO and president is important to the future of oil and gas? You know, I'm a humble guy, so I cannot think that I can have a huge impact on the whole industry. But I think that every leader of any organization in any industry has a certain, a certain level of impact. And in my little space, what I think is, is important is to ensure that, that our industry has a positive image in society and that it is seen as a partner for the greater good. Right. And I think that if we achieve that and we also show that our industry is technically complex and interesting and that we are capable of leading in the digital era, then we will be able to attract talent. And that, I think, is a, is a big challenge of our industry going forward. How do we oh. make sure yeah, that the best people out there come to work for our industry? And I think that as leaders, we can achieve that. Well, especially during this time where people were terrified to come into our industry because we never even recovered from the last downturn. Absolutely. Downturns are, are certainly a big thing to overcome when you want to attract people, but also the reputation that we are getting, right? And that sometimes our tendency is to fight it and to try to say, look, this is not true or this is not so. Maybe we need to adapt. We need to try to understand that message and see how to approach the criticisms and how to demonstrate through actions that we can be attractive. We can be a place where people can help society, can help humanity get better, right? Yeah. And I also, I guess I feel like our industry kind of sucks at this, but adapting to change. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We're very, very rigid. I think that's changing very quickly and challenges and crises and downturns and all that can only help to become more agile, to become more malleable, to be more creative. I think that's, yeah. that's a good thing in this instance. Yes. So what's your favorite podcast? Favorite podcast. Look, I have to say that I'm not a devoted podcast listener, right? And these days, there's so many options out there. I tend to listen to podcasts like I watch TV, you know, flipping from channel to channel, watching three programs at the same time. So I enjoy the usual suspects like The American Life or Radio Lab, multiple themes and normally technical and intelligent, etc. And these days I'm listening to a lot of webinars, right? Trying to stay right. on top of the of the news and the industry trends. So yeah, it's difficult for me to pick one podcast. Yeah, it's a little overwhelming, isn't it? 
It is. It is. There's a lot out there to listen to and to absorb. To absorb, exactly. That's the word. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much again for joining me, Ricardo. If people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about Stratum Reservoir, how can they go about doing that? Look, I think they can find me on LinkedIn and contact me that way. And I'll always answer. And I'll make sure to put your profile in the show notes so people can just click on it and find you right away. Excellent. And then there's stratumreservoir.com. Perfect. And I'll also include that. Excellent. All right. So that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Now here's Savannah with Events on Deck. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the Events on Deck for October 2020. The first five events I'm going to list off are all online, so to start off the month, we've got the Women Offshore Conference, which is an online interactive event on October 2nd and October 9th. Second, we've got SparkCon, which stars our very own Mark LaCour as keynote speaker, and that one starts on October 5th and goes through the 9th. Third, we have the OilCom Conference and Exposition from October 13th through the 15th. Fourth, we have the Ignite Talks with Cognite from October 27th through the 29th. And to close off the online events, we have the SPE Annual Technical Conference and Exhibition, or ATCE, on the same dates as the Ignite Talks, which is October 27th through the 29th. Next, these two events for October are in person. First, we have the Energy API Golf Tournament on October 12th at the Kingwood Country Club. And next, we have the Energy API 30th Annual Sporting Clays Tournament on October 30th at the American Shooting Center. Lastly, and most importantly, we have our OGGN live streams. This month, we have three going out, so make sure to tune into those. First, we have Maintaining Critical Infrastructure During Lockdown on October 1st. Next, we have Material Reductions in Downtime that flow to the bottom line on October 15th. And last, we have Strategic Opportunities to Right-Sizing GNA and Achieving Free Cash Flow on October 29th. Now, these dates for the live stream shouldn't be changing, but they may, so make sure to keep up to date on these events by checking out the OGG on Facebook, LinkedIn, or website for more info. That should be all for October, so I hope you guys have a great month, and thank you for tuning in. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Oil & Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.